Good morning. My name is Sean Hoffbeck. I serve on the leadership team here at Birch Ridge Community Church. And this is an exciting morning for us. Uh, we have Pastor Nate here uh, to candidate to be the next pastor of Birch Ridge Community Church. And this has been a, a process for us. And so this might be some stuff that you already know if you've been here for a while. But if, if you've just started attending recently, I just want to bring you up to speed how we got to where we're at today. So... Um, Pastor Brian was here for about 10 years, and he, he let us know in September that he was, he was leaving, um, and that happened in, in December, that his, we said goodbye to his family, and they moved down south. And Pastor Randy then came up, and he started at the beginning of January, and Pastor Randy came up as an interim pastor, as a, as a part-time pastor, as a fill-the-gap pastor. That's what he does. We were the sixth, we're the sixth church that he's, he's done this for, and so he has been here as the interim pastor uh, since January. Now, during this entire time, we have been actively searching for our next pastor, and so the leadership team has been doing that uh, along with our district superintendent. And so we've gone through some resumes and things like that, and we as a leadership team feel like it was worth it to bring Pastor Nate up here to candidate for this position. We, we have talked to him. We have vetted him. Um, we believe that as a leadership team, he would be a great next pastor for this church. Now, it's not just up to us. And so <laughs> that's why we bring him up here. and We, let, we bring his family, and, and I'm going to invite you up to the stage. And so he's going to share the message with us this morning. And then um, Pastor Brent is actually going to talk about this evening and, and what the process looks like this evening. And so um, welcome. Welcome to Alaska. We brought great weather for you <laughs> out. If you would have came like <laughs> two weeks ago, it was not, yeah. not so wonderful. But uh, tell us just a little bit about you. And it looks like you're outnumbered just a little bit oh, in your family goodness. here. And yep, absolutely. Yeah, that is like basically the story of my life is the outnumbered thing. Can I have my... Would you like to meet my family a little bit? So you guys come on up. <laughs> so this is the Lamb family. So we've gotten to meet some of you guys over the last uh, couple of days, but my wife, Julie, uh, she and I have been partners in ministry from way before it was a like, dating relationship or marriage or anything else. So it's been a blessing that, that that's been true. And then Emily, our oldest, is 15 years old, uh, ninth grader, uh, and uh, Lauren, this is... Uh, <laughs> This may go well here. This may not go well here. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, uh, our middle daughter, she is, uh, goodness, this is like almost 13. So you, this is why Julie should do the introductions like this. And then Olivia, uh, she is 11 years old. So we have uh, started to really get to know the area, started to fall in love with um, Alaska. They are uh, very excited about the possibility of um, life in this area. So we are currently serving uh, a church that we planted seven years ago in Denver, Colorado, so like the southwest corner of Denver in the foothills. And what we're discovering is so much of what we love about Colorado um, is true here. I shared just a little bit, if I, if I could just take just a minute and say, um, we drove or we flew into Anchorage on Wednesday night and you know, you live in Colorado and you get this sense that it's the most beautiful state in the world, right? This is like the most, this is, that's what we think, being there. And then we fly into Anchorage, we start driving down to Soldatna and it's like, ah, every mile is like this moment of like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's that, like, it's, it's being humble or being humbled, like, that's two different things, right? And so, we're, like, being humbled as we drove down to Soldatna, realizing how beautiful uh, this corner of the world really is. So, uh, your hospitality, it's been great to get to know you guys. We are looking forward to getting to know 
um, you guys, we would love, actually, between services, whatever, if you want, grab us, talk, we would love to get to know you guys while we're here. So let you guys sit down with the, the Lamb family. Yep. So you said that you're pastoring a church in Colorado right now. Can you just tell us why, why is this the time that, that your family has felt called to, to take that next step? And, and sure. What? Yep. That's calling and that's a, well, that's an important question, right? Um, and for us, that, was, that has been a journey for us to, to get to this point. So we started out, uh, we, when you're a founding pastor, when you start something from scratch, so our, our kids um, have been part of this process of planting Front Range Church uh, for the last seven years, started out this little cluster of people in our living room and, and has worked and, and grown and grown. And now it's, we're saying it's adulting. We're watching them uh, start to go through the process of selecting the next pastor for that church. And um, just watching that whole process play out, and you get to the, these moments where you, you do ask those kinds of questions. And for us, um, we were so clearly called to plant that church. Uh, and our prayer throughout the whole process was, God, if you ever release us. Actually, we, we have this, uh, this approach to ministry where, God, wherever it is that you've called us, we will stay there, and we will plan to stay there for the rest of our ministry life, right? And so uh, we planted Front Range with that mentality, but we said, God, if you called us that clearly, and you're going to have to make that release that clear as well. And so this past February, uh, we started to, to really get a sense that um, God was releasing us, which was very disorienting and very terrifying. Um, there, is, there is no um, there's no trouble at Front Range, right? It's a healthy, vibrant local church. Um, people are very sad to see us go. There, there, there are people that, um, you know, they're kind of hoping that maybe you guys don't like us as much as what we, as what we hope you do. Uh, I mean, they understand. We have preached obedience. We have talked obedience. We have led people to understand how to listen to God and, and act in obedience to that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a sad moment. So we've been grieving. For us, this weekend has been so fun because we've been saying a lot of goodbyes over the last month, and we're getting to say a lot of hellos. And, you know, that, that moment where you go from, like, letting go of one trapeze and you're, like, hoping that the other one's coming your way. <laughs> We're kind of starting to feel like it's, you know, that, that moment of um, kind of the, the between those worlds. Uh, we're really grateful for that. And your hospitality has been incredible. The, the time with the leadership team has been incredible too. So, Well, thank you. Let me pray for you. And then yeah. we want to excited to hear what yeah. God has for yep. us. So, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Nate, for his family and the journey that they made up here to see what you have next for them. Lord, as we wait in expectation and anticipation on what you have next for us. So, Lord, as he speaks this morning, may our hearts be open to hear your truth in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sean. I will say it has been uh, a blessing as we kind of go through that transition process. Uh, for us, I, I, the, the first conversation I had with the leadership team, at, team here at Birchridge, um, I got off that call and I told Julie, I said, I... I think there is something that God is doing here that's really special. And um, so we have been praying hard. We, this is fun for us. We've been praying for this church, not knowing all of you, right? We've been praying for this kind of this, this situation, and uh, it's a blessing to, to, to be here. Part of the story of kind of this transition, and I'll just kind of start with this. Preaching can kind of sometimes be a dangerous thing. Um, when you start to, to, to open the Word of God and say, God, what is it? You know, there's a danger in saying, what, is, what are you wanting to say to these people? Um, there's the, the sermon process that it starts for me with, God, what do you want to say to me from this text? Right? What is it that, that you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to bring me along in? And so back in February, I said that in February, we started to feel a sense of release. The passage that I'm going to be preaching on this morning um, was one that God used to like pry my hands off of something that I did not want to let go of. 
right? So this is one of those things that as I started to think about what does it look like to come and say, I think it would be, uh, I think God is leading us here. I think there's this, this moment that we start to talk about what life looks like as we serve and, and dream together. Um, I think this is a great place to start. And so we're going to talk through this, this passage that uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's the, the story, just to give context, is it's the story of, of Jesus calling those first disciples. So what does it look like to be called, right? The simple, the simple title for this message. But wrapped up in the call is this, this sense of this big picture vision, right? This big picture of what is it that God is trying to do? What is the, the, the big thing that God wants to accomplish? And so when I talked to the leadership team, when I talked with some of you guys on the beach yesterday, and then we talked to, at the, the meet and greet on Friday night, you, you get this sense of expectation, this sense that God is wanting to do something significant, that God has done significant things. But what, what's, that, what's that next step? What's the, what's the big thing? What's the, what's the bullseye for this church? And so you talk big vision, but then the reality is that there's also these, um, these small steps along the way, right? These, these little kinds of moments that you start to question or you start to look and say, what is it that God's trying to do? The cool thing about that process, the, both the big vision and, and those small steps is in, in both of those cases, that's an invitation from God, right? It's an invitation from God to dream big, God-sized kinds of dreams that, that we can say, this is the thing that I would give the rest of my life to, to try and see this thing happen. And then at the same time, there's those little steps along the way that are also this invitation from God saying, let's just take the next step, right? Let's just take the next step. What does that, that next step of obedience look like? And so we get to kind of live in that tension. And the beautiful thing as we talk about those sorts of big dreams is that we may have big dreams. We may have really big dreams, but the reality is we will never, ever, ever outdream God. The problem, if you want to like establish the tensions for this reality, the, the problem is, Sometimes we miss those, those big dreams or sometimes we miss the thing that God is trying to do because the biggest God-sized dream is accomplished in small steps. That's true of an organization. That's true of a church, right? That's true of these moments because it's like this is the thing. This is the big goal. And then there's these like small steps that don't always feel quite as significant, right? Or sometimes we get so caught up in those small steps that, that we lose sight of the big dream. On any journey, there are three components. Now, if, you, if you've ever navigated anywhere, there's actually just three things you need to know. The first is, where are you, right? <laughs> where are you trying to go? And then, what's that next step? What's, what's the thing that, that is the next step in the process? So the, the where am I, where am I headed, and what's my next step? And so this morning, we're going to deal with those, those second two. We're going to talk about the, the where am I headed, and we're going to talk about what those next steps might look like for not just for Birchridge, but for us as individuals. Because what's true of the organization and what's true of the, the, the gathered body of people is true of us as individuals as well. So we're going to talk about the process, the, the small steps along the way. And we're going to talk about the big picture, the bullseye. There uh, is a tendency, I think, as we, we navigate these kinds of moments to get caught up in either the big thing or we get caught up in the little thing. And so we can dream of a big, of a big dream or this big dream with without the small steps, and it can start to feel really overwhelming, right? You start to see, what is it that God's placed in front of us? What is it that, that, that God's trying to accomplish? And you're like, I don't know if I could ever get there. And it's not because you're looking and thinking in terms of one big step, or you're starting to think about, well, I want those results. And this is when you start talking about us as individuals. Start saying, I want the outcome. I want what the, the fruit of the process without actually having to navigate the process. Or for, for some of us, it's, it's the small things without the big picture, which means that we start to look at this as like a meaningless kind of thing, where it's like, well, I don't even know what the significance of this little step is, because I've, I've kind of lost sight of the big picture along the way. Or the, the dangerous part of it would be that 
when we start talking about our spiritual lives. We start talking about the transformation that God wants to do in us, and we start to settle for behavior modification, right? Changed behavior instead of transformation, instead of God actually transforming us from the inside and, and having that modify our behavior. And so with all of that, with all the, those, those things that we're thinking about, we approach Luke chapter 5 as Jesus begins to invite people to follow him. Right? And so I think there's this, this reality as you talk about the church, I talked about it on Friday night, this idea that we are called to be disciple makers, right? We're called to, to be disciples, and what do disciples do? But they follow Jesus and they, and they make disciples. And so to have a clear picture of what that looks like, to, to, to get a clear picture, it's good to start with what did the call look like? And so in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So just to kind of set this up, there's, there's two audiences that's, that are actually in, the, in this particular story. So you have Jesus, and he's talking to the people that are leaning in, that are listening, that are, that are interested in hearing the teaching that Jesus is giving in this moment. And then off to the side, and the, 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 the group that I'd like to spend special attention paying, or pay special attention to this morning is those, those fishermen that are sitting off to the side while the, the, the teaching is happening, while the, the conversation is happening. They're kind of not really part of it. They're just kind of near what's happening, and they're washing their nets, right? Kind of like near this thing, but, but not fully wrapped up in what's happening. And so then Jesus, in verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then Jesus sat down and taught people from the boat, and began to teach and talk about the, the things that were important for them to understand and for them to be able to get a glimpse of, of, of the thing that he came to teach them. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Can you imagine this moment? Because we've all been maybe around something that then all of a sudden we realize that this isn't just this thing that I'm near, but that's actually inviting me to participate in. For some of us, this is a moment in a sermon where it's like there's this general communication that's happening, this general conversation that's happening, and then there's this statement that'll be made, and all of a sudden it's like, that just captured my heart, or that was the thing that was for me. This, this general conversation that's been, having has now, that has been having, happening has now become very, very specific for me. And so this is what Peter's experiencing as he's rowed his boat out into the, into the water. All of a sudden, this, this general moment, this, this thing that Jesus was teaching and talking to everyone, all of a sudden, the invitation becomes very specific for Peter or for Simon. So Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. For us to understand the mentality that, that Simon Peter is having in this moment, to understand that he says, look, Jesus, I, I hear you inviting me, right? I hear you inviting me to, to, to do a thing with you, to, to take this next step with you. But Jesus, you have to understand the journey that I've been on, right? You have to understand what the night has been like. We have been working all night long. And so it's kind of this, I will obey, but Jesus, you need to have context for the, the frustration that I've experienced up to this point, right? Have we ever been in these kinds of moments that we can understand? It's like we hear Jesus inviting us. We hear Jesus calling us, and yet it's like, but Jesus, you don't know, or at least we tell ourselves that he doesn't know what it is that we've been through. Peter, Simon, Peter has been working hard, but he's not been experiencing success. And that has this tendency to, to get into your head, right? It has this tendency to, to start to mess with the way you, way, you, way you process things, and it makes it really hard to trust. And what we see is the seed, I think, in this moment of many moments like this along the way, because we know, or at least maybe some of us, have, as we've 
kind of walked through the, the Christian journey, we start to learn about some of the characters in the stories that, that Peter becomes kind of a big deal in the, in the story of the early church, right? That, that, that Jesus, as Simon becomes Peter, as, he change, as Jesus changes his name, that he becomes a major character in the story. And, and it's the seed of this moment is, as Simon is being called. And, and Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be moments, I think, you know, this is me reading into this story. I can imagine moments down the road where, where as Simon is, and Peter, as, as they're like navigating difficult moments in the journey of following Jesus, that they're going into towns and they're not receiving the kind of re- the, the, the response that they expected. And they come back and they're unpacking this moment with Jesus. It could very well be that Jesus would say, hey, you know, don't, don't forget about the nets, right? It's kind of like that. You remember that moment when you were frustrated and you're like not sure what to do with all of these things? This first of many moments like this along the way when, when, when Simon couldn't see the results, when he's tempted to just pack up and move on and to try another day. But he acts in obedience, right? These, these little steps along the way, right? We've moved from the shore washing our nets to now we're in the boat. Now we're, now we're acting in obedience and dropping the, the nets off to the side and when they had done so, right, when, when Simon had obeyed, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to, to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink, right? This is like the victory moment. If you were talking about what, what is it that Simon would want to get out of this whole story, right? If, if he's saying, look, I will trust you, Jesus. I will, I will go out into the water with you. I will drop those empty nets into the water and, and maybe... Right, best case scenario, maybe you can't even imagine that this is possible at this moment, but best case scenario, we catch such a ridiculous catch that our boats are going to sink. We're actually going to need help. We're going to need more boats to, to pack this thing. And this is like the, the, the big dream that, that maybe would have kept Simon moving forward in the process. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, fell and said, Get a, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch that they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. I'm imagining, this is actually in, in this particular context, this was, when I, when I talked about this in Colorado, this was a, a little bit different because it was, it's not quite the fishing place that this is, but we know fishermen here, right? At least everyone, if you're not a fisherman, you know a fisherman. And this is where this story starts to take this really, really weird turn. If you've ever, I mean, I, I say if you have, you have been around fishermen, I don't have to say if, Right? Fishermen can be, this is safe to say, a little bit superstitious, right? Have you guys noticed like, the, the, uh, that if there's this, like, lucky charm thing? So I, I, I hunt, I, so I go out and I spend time with fishermen, but uh, there's a guy that I hunt with that, um, because one time he, he ate biscuits and gravy for breakfast and then went out and there was an elk, like, 20 yards into the, into the woods when he walked out. Every time he goes hunting, he eats biscuits and gravy. This is, like... Like, I don't know the elk know that you ha- what you had for breakfast, but this is like, this is the thing. And so this is so radical. You think about Peter, Simon Peter, having now experienced this incredible catch, right? He has now filled his boat to overflowing. He's got his friends, and they're coming over, and they're, they're hauling in all these fish. And all of a sudden, Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus has become, in some ways, the lucky charm, right? This is the thing that, like, if Simon was functioning like a fisherman would typically function, you say, Jesus, you have to go out in the boat with me every time, right? This would not be a go away from me moment. This is like, what would it take for you to, to join my crew? What would it take for you to, to always be in the boat? Every time I throw out the nets, I would, I would like for you to be there with me. We can imagine this tension that Simon is feeling between this, this lucky charm kind of reality of, of Jesus and then all of a sudden realizing that it's about to get real. Right? It's about to get real because all of a sudden Simon is confronting not just the, maybe the future and what it might mean and the, and the, and the big catch and, the, and what that means financially and what that might mean for his family and, and, and all of that, but 
all of a sudden it's starting to get real in the sense that he is confronted with his past. He's confronted with his future. Right? And all of a sudden he realizes that this thing is going to be bigger than what he imagined when he began to put down those empty nets, began to row out, began to, to go step by step through this process. That things are about to get real. And he is confronted not just with the reality of the catch, but he's confronted with the reality of his past and his future. And that is hard. And so we see Simon saying, if I had to make a choice between the lucky charm and the things about to get real, and I'm just going to... I'm just going to lean out, right? These are these kind of moments where it'd just be easier to lean out. But then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. This is one of those stories where it's like these sentences are so loaded. Every single one of them are, are these big moments along the way because it's, it's step by step by step, this process that, that Jesus is taking Simon through as he's, as he's calling him forward, as he's inviting him not just to this, this big new adventure, but he's taking him step by step by step through the process. That the big thing for Simon, these, this, this fish, this thing that was causing him to be so frustrated and not really be listening to what was going on, but to be near the crowd that was listening to Jesus and washing his nets, this big thing became the lesser thing. And if you want to trace, I think it would be helpful for us as we talk about those steps, to, to trace the journey. We see this, this theme of faith that weaves through the whole process where it takes faith. It takes faith to to go from the water's edge to the deep water, right? That first little invitation that, that, that Jesus made to Simon that said, look, I, I see you on the shore. Would you come with me into the deep water, right? Would you, would you come with me? And so it takes this, this faith that, that helps Simon overcome the frustration, helps Simon overcome the, those empty nets. So it takes faith to go from the water's edge to the deep water. But it might take, it might take even more faith to go from those full nets Right, the, those loaded boats, all the, the fulfillment of the thing that if, if he could have asked Jesus for the one thing in that moment to say, would you just fill my nets? It might take even more faith to go not from just the empty net to the deep water, but to go from the full net to the great unknown. Can you imagine that kind of moment? Woven throughout this story is this, this idea of obedience, this idea of steps. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing for us as we listen in, as we, as we say, what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from the, the way that Jesus walked with Simon through this process? The beautiful thing is that Jesus did not invite Simon from sitting next to the crowd that's listening to Jesus. Jesus didn't look over at Simon and say, follow me into the great unknown, right? He didn't say, follow me, lay down all your nets, lay down everything and just, and just come with me because that step is huge, right? You start talking about the, the big steps along the way to say, give up your livelihood, give up all the things that, that have been the thing that's been secure for you and just lay all that down and we're just going to put that aside and you're going to follow me. The beautiful thing about the process, the beautiful thing about the way this story unfolds is it unfolds in small steps. That there's this grace and there's this pace that's just woven through the process that, that Jesus says, let's start with just getting in the boat. Right? Let's start with rowing out and then now you've heard me talk and you've heard me speak and, and now let's, let's, let's just trust what does it look like to fish with me. Simon, what do you think? You think you could throw those empty nets in the water one more time, right? And Simon objects, but then acts in obedience, right? There's these, these smaller steps along the way. Jesus didn't invite him from the lesson to the following. He invited him to take the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And so Simon's only job was to listen and obey, 
right, to just listen to what Jesus was saying and then act in obedience step by step by step. There is such good news. There is such good news for Simon. There's such good news for us because of that grace and because of the pace and the way that it played out that the reality is we sometimes have this tendency to think that this, this spiritual life, and maybe some of you guys fall into this, into this group where you'd say, look, it just feels like every time I try and follow Jesus, every time I try to start to get my life right, every time I, I, I try and align my life with what it seems like is the right thing to do, given what I, what I think I know about Jesus, given what I think I know about, about being a Christian, every time I try and do that, it feels like the system is just rigged against me, right? We, we look and we say, how in the world? Because it's like, I just can't seem to get that step right. I can't seem to get it right. I can't seem to take the big step or, or the little steps are difficult. And the beautiful thing about what we see in this story is that if the system is rigged, the good news is if the system is rigged, it's rigged in our favor because Jesus says, take the next step, right? These are baby steps along the way, just little steps. Just trust that, that I'm going to fulfill the thing that I'm asking you to do just step by step by step. The system is rigged. It's rigged in your favor. Matthew and Mark, as they record this story, as they record the story of being called, as, uh, of Simon's call, they record Jesus' an invitation like this. It says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Right? In this process, or the process of discipleship is in the invitation that there's this, this foundation, this promise that Jesus says, look, if, if you come and follow me, then what I'm going to do is I'm not just going to ask you to do meaningless things along the way, but I'm promising this transformational journey that, that takes you from, from follow me to go out and fish for people, this unique intersectional calling that says you are fishermen. I'm going to teach you how to, to be fishermen that, that, that fish for people, that this, this process of discipleship is, is wrapped up in this invitation, built on this foundation of transformation, built on this foundation of Jesus says, if you will trust me, if you will follow and take the next step and the next step and the next step, then you will be transformed along the way. And that Simon is invited to just simply respond in obedience along the way. And I think often we, we think of fishing and we think of, you know, at least in Colorado, it's fly fishing, or we think of just like a, a hook and a fishing pole, but the, the story, the, the picture that Jesus is pointing to, because it literally just happened, right? The nets are full. The, the fish are kind of like bouncing around in the boat right there. This is these full nets, sinking boats, all these kinds of things. It's, it's not just that you're going to catch a fish, right? Jesus just showed Simon what fishing for people when you're partnering with Jesus, what that might actually look like. And it's this exponential kind of impact, this, these full nets kind of reality. It's not just this, this one little thing, but it's a significant increase in, in, the, in, the, in the connection with with the people who are connected with God because of his work. This is what Jesus had just shown Simon Peter. And so we have three questions this morning as we listen to what God is, I think, what God is teaching us. As we, as we lean in, as we listen, we say, so, so what do we do with this? If this is the way that Jesus has called, if this is what the, what the process is supposed to look like, if it's, if it's the small steps along the way, if it's, if it's all these kinds of things, then, then what is it that we're supposed to do with this? And the first of the three questions is this, is, is what is your next step? Right? You can't read a passage like this and say this is the invitation that Jesus is making without actually saying, so, so what should we do about it? And so the first question is, so, so what's your next step? What's your next step? This, this gospel invitation that meets you right where you are. 
this picture of following Jesus is, is not just this kind of up into the right reality. If you've ever looked at a graph of something that's growing, it's, it's this, this kind of stair-step process that you spend more time in, in preparing and responding to the, those moments of growth. It's kind of like, right? What does it look like for us to level up, to be, to be ready for what's next? It's stair-steps, not just up into the right. And we can watch as Jesus walked Peter through the process one step at a time. I'm going to propose this morning that there are four major domains of life that, that, that might be part of that next step for us as, as we think about what this might look like. And the first one is this, is that we journey together. The first one is this, is that we find relationship with each other, that we get serious about the, the kinds of relationships that we have. Not that we, we forsake relationships with people who, who aren't followers of Jesus, that we, that we kind of remove all of that, but we say, who is it around me? Maybe it's two or three people. Maybe it's a small group that we've been able to spend some time with. But, but who is it around me that, that can help me hear Jesus' voice more clearly? Who is it that when I'm around them, they can, they can help call out the stuff that shouldn't be true in my life and can help me take steps forward? Who is it that, and when we think about journeying together, who is it that can help me move forward? That we take our relationships, we take that domain of our lives, and we, we kind of place that under the lordship of Jesus and say, Jesus, would you show me the relationships? We get serious about the connections that we have with other believers. And at the same time, we say we get serious about the connections that we have with people that we're trying to help along the way, kind of using that, that picture of there's, there's somebody ahead of us and there's somebody behind us, and we're journeying, we're moving forward together step by step by step. We journey together, that we grow deeper, that we pay attention to what our roots are growing into, that we pay attention to, to what we are becoming, that our identity is beginning to be wrapped up in the transformational work that, that God is doing in our lives. We start to take seriously not just the, the journey that we're on, but the, the kind of root system that we have. Are we growing deeper? Are we actually spending time, and we, if we spend time looking, we say, a week ago, a year ago. Am I a, 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 some following closer to Jesus now than I was a year ago? Am I following closer to Jesus now than I was a few years ago? How am I doing in this process? Am I growing? Am I growing deeper? That we join the cause. This is us saying there is something bigger than us that we are a part of. That there's something more than, than just simply the things that, that I would like to have be the, the things that I'm holding on to. That we live our lives and we take our lives, and we say we place what we have, what's been placed in our hands, what God has invested in us, and we place that under the lordship of Jesus. And so when it comes time to talk about things like, do we, do we give generously, right? Do we hold on tightly to our finances, or do we give generously? Do we, do we spend time with the resources that we have? How do we, how do we help others? How do we leverage what we have to, to help other people act in obedience to what God is calling them to do? So we journey together, we grow deeper, we join the cause, and we change the world that our lives have purpose, that we are invited to not just simply survive to tomorrow, that we're not called to simply just make it to the, to the next step. We are called to live in a purposeful kind of way that actually makes a difference in the world around us. So I said there's three questions. The next two are going to be the kinds of questions that might help us understand why those next steps are so hard for us. And the first one is this, is what's your empty net? What disappointment, what unfulfilled desire are you holding up in front of Jesus saying, look, I would follow you, but look what I lack. Look what you haven't accomplished in my life that I've been begging you to accomplish. For some of us, and I've, I've walked with people through a process where they've dealt with infertility, and they're saying, look, how could I trust a God that wouldn't give me the desire of my heart to, to be a parent? Right? Some are walking through issues of health and, and those kinds of things, and you can say, look, look, Jesus, I would follow you. 
but you just don't seem to have come through for me yet. Don't you realize I have been up all night fishing, and yet this net is still empty, and so I can hear your voice, and I can hear you talking, and it feels like you're talking to everybody else because for me, there's this empty net that's going to be the thing that I hold up in front of you and say, I just can't take that next step. What disappointment or unfulfilled desire has you sitting on the shore? What is it that you need to let go of to allow Jesus to begin to, to, to invite you to that next step, or to, to be able to take that next step with him? What's your empty net? Or maybe for some of us, it's a full net. We've kind of gotten everything we came for, right? That we're holding up this thing saying, Jesus, I would, I, would, I would take a next step, but I'm not sure I even need to because the thing that I came to you for, the thing that I desired from you, the, the thing that, that I was hoping would happen, the, the journey that I've taken is I've already gotten what I came for. And so it's, you know, don't you understand? Maybe even that comes with some responsibility. How could I follow with any kind of abandon if, I have, if I've got all of this responsibility? I've got to now deal with the inventory of all these fish that we just caught, right? We've got boats that might need to be fixed. We've got all these kinds of things that just happened. And yet there's this full net, and it's being used to insulate us from the call that Jesus is placing on our lives to take the next step. And that question, when Sean asked the question, why do we begin to, to think about a next step for us? What is it that makes us think about this, this step towards Soldatna, Alaska, towards Birch Ridge Church, when for us as a family, it felt like our net was full, right? The things that we had dreamed of, this, these moments that we had had along the way in planting Front Range Church, where it was, there was just a dozen of of us present on a Sunday morning, and we're a family of five, so you can do the math pretty quick on that to say that, didn't, that felt more empty net. There were moments where it was like, Jesus, I wish you'd just take this empty net for me and let me move on, because this almost feels abusive, right? This is so hard. It's so hard, and years of that kind of process, and then now a few years of, of us with those full nets, and we spent time as a family and spent time thinking through this kind of question and say, not just what, what is Jesus trying to say to a people that have gathered to listen to a sermon, but Jesus, what are you trying to do in me? And for us as a family, we started to realize that we were holding on pretty tight to some full nets. We said, okay, okay, we're going to let go of this thing, and we're going to trust that as we let this down, as we lay down these full nets, and we can do this together, and, and we can say, we're going to trust that there's a next step. We realize that we won't know what that next step looks like until we lay down that full net. And that's a painful process, and actually... You think it's painful to lay something down. It's a whole lot more painful to have your hands pried off of something, right? What's your next step? What's your empty net? What's your full net? What are you holding on to instead of following Jesus? Let me pray. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to, to, to get to know each other a little bit over the last few days. And God, I thank you for the journey that this church has been on. God, for the, the work that you've done in holding a church together in a transition. That is a significant thing. And God, I pray this morning specifically as we consider what it is that we're called to do in response to what you have taught us this morning. God, I pray for wisdom. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what it is that you're, that you're calling us to let go of. And I pray for discernment, that we would be able to understand what it is that, that you're trying to, to, to speak to us. And God, I pray for courage. God, to dream of next steps, to, to dream of laying down empty nets and to laying, to laying down full nets. God, we've spent a lot of our lives holding on to those things, that even those empty nets have been something of a security blanket for us because that's the thing that if, even if we're holding on to nothing else, we can hold on to that. 
God, I pray for courage that as we lay down nets and we begin to dream about next steps, as we begin to listen to your voice and begin to respond in obedience, God, I pray that you'd pour courage into our lives that would, would enable us to, to take the step that you're inviting us to take. So God, thank you that we don't have to figure this out alone. God, thank you for the, 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 the benefit of Christian community. And God, I thank you in advance in the coming weeks for the opportunities that we will have to put these things to practice. God, as, it, as we realize those nets in our lives, as we realize the next steps, God, I thank you that you are preparing us for a next step, even this morning. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the pioneer who goes before us in all things. It's in the name of Jesus.